on the stage to talk to us about putting on the full armor of God. And the thing, one of the things they've said consistently is, we are in a battle, and in order to fight this battle, we need to have the shield. Uh, the, we, we need to have the all armor, not just the shield, the all armor of God on. Um, the passage starts with, finally, be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And my first encouragement to you this morning is, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. I know many of us are tired. You know, we are tired of battles. We are tired of even battles spilling over from previous years. And the Bible is saying, be strong. Don't be discouraged. Don't be frightened. Don't be anxious. Don't give up. But be strong in the Lord. Because no soldier goes into battle from a position of weakness. Be strong in the Lord and put on the full armor of God. So that you will be able to stand against the devil's schemes. We cannot fight spiritual battles with physical means. Bible is saying we cannot fight spiritual battles with physical means. We need to put on the full armor of God. At the time of writing, Apostle Paul was in prison. So he was seeing soldiers you know, in full armor, soldiers with swords, soldiers with helmets, with shields. And he was thinking of the people he was writing to. So he was probably saying to them, you know what, don't think of taking up physical arms, you know, like these people. Don't make for yourself swords of iron, you know, don't even come here maybe protesting. And saying, we don't fight spiritual battles with physical means. And I would like to ask you the question this morning, what do you fight your spiritual battles with? Or do you even believe we are in a spiritual battle at all? What do you fight your spiritual battles with? Like I was saying this morning, in the day we live in, you know, when we say something that we don't like, we are very quick to sign a petition. You know, that's how we fight these days. You know, we're very quick to write a strongly worded letter saying, I strongly disagree. You know, we're very quick to protest at Parliament. And like we saw Peter did in the Bible, when Jesus was arrested, he brought out his physical sword, you know, and cut off the hair of one of the servants. And Jesus said, no, no. We don't fight physical, uh, spiritual battles with physical means. Why? Because our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. Now, I wonder how much time we waste. We waste a lot of time fighting flesh and blood. Having arguments. You know, we argue with people at work. It could be something concerning theological stance. We argue physically. We argue with neighbors, even things that are not spiritual. They have no spiritual consequences. You know, we engage in loads of physical fights. But the Bible is saying our struggle, our wrestle, is not against flesh and blood. So who are we wrestling with? He say our battle is against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly realm. So when we talk about authorities of the unseen world, mighty powers in this dark world, no, we're not talking about people in places of authority in Westminster. So before you take off arms very quickly and say we're resting against authorities, we're not resting against people in Westminster, right? So we're not resting against people sitting in places like UN or the superpowers of this world. You know, real power doesn't really, really lie with us. Like we were saying this morning, Real power is being influenced from the spiritual realm. 
And the Bible is saying we need perspective. We need, to, we need spiritual perception to be able to see that we are not wrestling against human powers here. We are wrestling against spiritual wickedness. Because most of these ideologies that we hear today, most of these things that we, we kind of struggle against, we're pushing back on. They are not human initiatives. They are initiatives from the kingdom of darkness that are influencing things and beliefs and initiatives that people are pushing today. So we need to see that every evil has been influenced from an unseen place, from spiritual realm. And the Bible says we need the full armor of God in able to stand against those evil. So we've looked at the breastplate of righteousness. You know, that we hear the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We've looked at the, best, um, the belt of truth. and um, putting on the gospel of the readiness. Uh, the shoes of the gospel of the readiness. That is being able to stand. Stand on the word of God. Stand firmly on the word of God. And this morning I'm going to be speaking to us, like I said earlier. On taking up the shield of faith. And what do we do with the shield of faith? It says we extinguish the flaming arrows. The flaming arrows of the devil. So what's, what, what, what's this shield of faith all about? I think Paul was using physical things, physical weaponry to describe spiritual reality. He isn't just making things up. He's describing spiritual reality. It is a reality that we are in a battle, spiritual battle. And Paul was describing spiritual reality, realities using physical things. So in ancient times, when soldiers, armies march against another opposition, the opposition will often, from the wall, fire arrows at them. And you know, the thing about arrows is they can come at you from anywhere. You don't have to see them. You don't have to see the person firing them. They just, they just come at you. And to make them even more deadly, they put them in flammable substance and make them fiery. They set them on fire. And the aim of that... You know, is to kill, to maim, to disorientate, to stop the advancing opposition from moving forward. So that's what the enemies will do in, in, in those ancient times. So they will fire flaming arrows at the opposition. And Paul knew that the Roman soldiers would use shield. We're talking massive shield, door-sized shield. Commentators have said this shield is like four foot high, Two feet wide, you know, it's so big that a soldier is able to shield themselves from these flaming arrows. And we're not talking just any arrow shield, because in order to extinguish these flaming arrows, you need the shield to be non-flammable. So they have a non-flammable material on that shield, and when the arrows come, they are able to extinguish that. Not only that, you know, arrows, the way arrows work, arrows can come down in waves and just rain down. So these soldiers are also able to band together. You know, they shield each other. Like Christians should do in faith. We should shield each other with faith. So Paul was saying here, just like a Roman soldier will pick up a shield to defend themselves against the fiery flaming arrows of the enemy, Christians need to pick up faith. We need to pick up faith in addition, in addition to the breastplate the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel, we need to pick up faith because the devil's attacks in our lives are like flaming arrows 
There are thoughts that come out of nowhere. Sometimes in the morning I wake up, before I could even realize where I was or that I was still in my house or somewhere else, you see thoughts coming into your head. You know, they just come out of nowhere. And one day I recognized, I said to myself, you know what, this aren't actually my own thoughts. Because it's not something I've thought about yesterday. It's not something I dreamt about. Just wake up in the morning and just, boom. Just a thought. So these are flaming arrows of the enemy. So Paul is saying we need faith as a shield, you know, to prevent the enemy from attacking us with those flaming arrows. So what is faith? What is Christian faith? I define Christian faith as a firm belief in God, a complete trust and reliance on his word, and a desire and reaching out for his promises. Say faith is a firm belief in God, complete trust and reliance on his word, and a desiring and reaching out for his promises. What do we mean by believe in God? The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to have any relationship at all with God. Why? Because those who come to God must believe he exists. So the foundation of the Christian faith is a firm belief in an existing, existing God. You know, our God is alive. The God that we serve is alive. The object of the Christian faith is God. We don't have faith just by itself. We don't say, I have faith. No. A lot of people have faith. But we have faith in God. There's a, a popular Bible passage and a popular saying amongst Christians says, oh, faith can move mountains. Do you believe faith can move mountains? Yes, I believe faith can move mountains. But actually, Jesus Christ says, that passage starts with, have faith in God. Faith itself cannot move mountains. God moves mountains. So our faith focuses on God. We believe that God exists. That's the foundation of the Christian faith. We believe God is sovereign. He is in control. Well, knowing the devil fires those flaming arrows at us, he says, if there is a God, why is the world like this? If there is a God, why are people dying from starvation? Why are there diseases? And like somebody says, God hasn't forsaken this world, but the world has forsaken God. And we are seeing the consequences everywhere. So a Christian believes in God, in a good and faithful God, because he who comes to God believes that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You know, God is faithful. He keeps his promises. From that definition, we also see that a Christian faith, authentic Christian faith, includes a reliance on God's word. So I say the subject of the Christian faith is God's word. We don't have faith in faith. Also, we don't just make up God in our own head. You know, we can't say... I believe in God, but that God is shaped according to your imagination. The Bible introduces us to God. The God that a Christian serves is the God that the Bible introduces you to. The Bible introduces us to God's nature, God's character, God's laws, God's promises, God's plans for us. It's eternal plan for salvation. God is not a figment of our imagination. Faith comes through the word of God. This book was written by God. It is God's master plan for the world. I know the world has rejected it, but the words of this Bible are true. This is the single source of truth. I mean, nobody will buy anything this day. You wouldn't go to the market and buy an expensive um, Tesla or something and then throw away the manual. But that's how the world is. You know, the world has turned against this book. 
And the words of this book, the Bible says they are yea and amen. They are forever settled. The book cannot be changed. It cannot be edited because the words are forever settled and they are yea and amen. So the second foundation of the Christian faith is a reliance on God's word because the subject of the Christian faith is God's word. And the third fundamental thing to the Christian faith, I'll say, an authentic Christian faith, the third thing that should be there should be a desiring of God's promises. A Christian ought to desire God's promises. Now some people might say, I'm not serving God because I want something from him. You know, the day we live in, you know, we kind of... Um, and we have some false humility sometimes. Say, no, I'm not, I'm not here because of what I want from God. But the passages we read in the Bible that invite us into relationship with God, they are full of promises and God expects us. That is why he says, those who come to God must believe he is a rewarder. God expects us to desire those promises because if we are not desiring God's promises, we are desiring evil. The devil will corrupt our desires and we will start desiring evil. You know, consider Bible passages like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. There is a promise there. Whosoever believe shall have everlasting life. God wants you to desire him because you want everlasting life. You know, our faith, we, we, we say we are saved. We are saved. We have salvation. You know, that is what we are after. We are being saved. That is a promise. We are going to be saved from God's judgment. Another Bible passage says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you are born again, you shall not see the kingdom. We see the promise again. You shall not see the kingdom of God. So there is a promise that if you are born again, you shall see the kingdom of God. And no Christian can stand up and say, you know what, I am born again. I love God. But it's not because I want to see the kingdom. The reason we are born again is because we want to see the kingdom of God. So faith Faith entails desiring, reaching out for the promises of God. The psalmist says in Psalm 73, it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth has nothing. The earth has nothing I desire but you. So faith includes a focus on God. That's the object of our faith. A reliance on God's word. That's the subject of our faith. And a desire for the promises of God. So how do we use faith as a shield? How do we take this faith and use it as a shield to quench the flaming arrows of the enemy? One of the ways the enemy attacks us, and we're going to look at three, but one of the ways the enemy attacks us is through worries. Worries. You know, we worry when we're obsessed over things we don't have control of. And when we are frustrated by things that are not within our power, we are worrying. And the enemy uses worry to steal our joy. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And one of the ways he steals from us is through worries. He also uses worry to try and steal the foundation of our faith. The Bible says a worrying heart is not conducive for faith. Jesus told a parable of the sower who went out sowing. And as he was sowing, he was spreading seeds. And some of the seeds uh, fell among thorns. He said those seeds that fell among thorns, they are, they are people who receive the word of God and then they worry. So what do we worry about? The Bible says we worry about what we shall eat, what we shall drink, and now we shall be fed. 
Basically, the Bible is saying we are worrying about essentials of life. But God is our Father. We need to rest in that idea. We need to rest in the assurance that God is our Father. That is our shield against worry. We sing all the time, He is a good, good Father. That's who He is. And that is who He is. But we need to rest, take up that belief as a shield. That God is a good Father. He will meet our needs. God knows what you need. He knows your maintenance needs. He knows your career needs. He knows your health need. So when enemy comes to steal, to steal our faith, to steal our joy through worry, we need to rest in the assurance that God is our Father, and the Bible says He knows what we need, and He will provide for what we need. We also need, remember we said faith includes desiring, desiring the promises of God. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. We also need to desire the things of God as a shield against worry. You will find that when you're focused on the things of God, it's difficult to worry. When you're focused and you're soaked into the things of God, it's difficult to worry. So we can quench the fiery darts of worry by resting in the assurance that God is our heavenly father, by relying on his word that says he will provide for us, and by desiring his kingdom. The devil also attacks us through fear. Fear. You know, the devil, the name Satan means contender. Someone who contends with you. So the devil uses fear to contend with us. He uses fear to stop us from reaching out to God's promises or to stop us from fulfilling our God-given potentials. Many of us would not like to agree when we walk in fear. You know, because it's a bit embarrassing to say, you know, what stopped me from doing that is actually fear. But we all walk in fear, and fear for a Christian is different from fear from an unbeliever. Anything that stops a Christian from stepping out in faith is fear. You know, no matter how we paint it, if you're being stopped from stepping out in faith, that is fear. And when we fear, what happens? We put the focus on ourselves. You know, you look at your age, you say, oh, I'm too old to do this. You know, you look at your abilities, you say, I'm not qualified for this. And then we rely on people's opinion instead of relying on God. You know, we look at statistics. We look at what the, the expert says instead of trusting God, you know, to make it happen. And then we consider quitting after we've considered our strength and we failed. We've listened to experts and we've not relied on God's word. We, we, we consider quitting. We consider turning back. That is fear. That is the attack of the enemy through fear. So, how do we shield ourselves from this flaming arrow? Let's look at the story of David and Goliath. For 40 days, Goliath challenged the children of Israel. It was a massive arrow, you know, being shot at the children of Israel for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says there was fear in the camp because Goliath stood up every day and night and threatened them. But then stepped in David. Now, when David stepped in, People looked at him. They took him to the king. They took him to Saul. And they looked at him and they disqualified him. They said, you're just a young boy. You know, you're not qualified. But David looked to the one that qualified him. He said, no, 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 I'm not a young boy. You know, when I was tending my father's sheep, so and so happened to me. A lion came, a bear came, and God rescued me. So David remembers what the Bible says, that God is faithful. You know, he used that as a shield. Many times people say from here, say, you know, share your stories and share your stories. 
it's, it is good to share our stories because they are stories of faith, of God's faithfulness to us. But we also need to share those stories with ourselves. We need to remember the things God has done for us and use them as a shield because God is faithful. The God you serve is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful. Then what did they do? They gave David um, Saul's armor. You know, people will prescribe to you solutions. You know, that's the enemy's way of doing it. They'll tell you, you know, you don't. We live in a practical world. You don't have to do it this way. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to rely on the Bible. You have to do it this way. You know, they gave, Saul, they gave David Saul's armor. And David said, no, this doesn't fit. You know, other people's strategy will not fit you. You need to put on God's whole armor. What God has prescribed for you is specific for you. What God has given me is specific for me. You have your gifts. You have your talents. God has given you what you need you know, to lay hold of his promises. So don't put on someone else's armor. In the same vein, don't put your armor on someone else. We parents do that mostly, especially with children. You know, we say, this is the way you need to go. Especially Nigerian parents. You need to see Nigerian parents. <laughs> it's like there are a few Nigerian parents here. You, know, you only have to study either medicine or law or accountancy. That's it. You know, that's Nigerian parents for you. You know, we are not supposed to put our arm on someone else. You know, but they're supposed to put on God's whole armor. So David refused Saul's armor. You know, and he went into battle. Why? Because he believed his focus was on God. He said, this battle is not mine. The battle is the Lord's. You know, when he stepped out, he said, the Lord does not deliver by sword, by bow and arrow. You know, the Lord delivers by a strong gun. So he went into the battle with his focus on God. If we put our focus on God, it will shield us from the flaming arrows of fear. Then when David confronted Goliath, Goliath looked at him and disdained him. It happens to us sometimes. When you tell people your dreams, you know, people look at you and say, there's no way you can make it. You're not qualified or you're, you're, you're too old. You know, and they tell you all sorts of things. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. He confronted him with the truth. He said, the Lord will deliver me from your hands. And the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And then Goliath stepped out. You know, I think that's the point where we all turn back, isn't it? When the fear, the object of fear is there confronting us. That is the point many of us turn back. And the Bible says, God does not delight in anyone who turns back. So what did David do? Goliath stepped out and walked towards David. And the Bible says David ran towards him. Goliath walked towards David and David ran. He ran towards him. That is faith. That is faith. That is the kind of shield, the shield of faith God wants us to hold up against the enemy. When you say fear, you run towards it because you know you are not running in your own strength. You are running in the strength of God. And we know the story. I mean, the rest is history. History, You know, his head came off before he could even sneeze. And so that was um, how David used the shield of faith to, de- to defeat um, Goliath. And, and lastly, I'll very, very quickly go over the arrows of temptation. And this is the oldest trick, the oldest weapon in the devil's armory, temptation. And everybody gets attacked through temptation. Everybody gets attacked through temptation. So what is temptation? 
The Bible says temptation is an, well, not the Bible, but looking at the Bible, I have defined temptation as an enticement to sin with a false promise of gratification. Temptation is an enticement to sin with a false promise of gratification. Please note, temptation is not sin. It's an enticement. The devil is enticing us to sin by promising us some sort of gratification. And temptation happens, can come to anyone. You never walk the Christian life for so long that you've grown above temptation. The Bible describes the process as this. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Temptation is not from God. God does not tempt anyone with evil. So temptation is an attack of the enemy and God does not tempt us with evil because God himself is not tempted. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires. So the enemy comes, he looks at desires. Desires are not evil inherently because God gave us desires. He gave us desires for relationships, desires for food, desires for security. So desires are not by nature evil, but the enemy comes to corrupt desires. He fires arrows at us to entice us. And what does he do? He drags us away with a corrupt desire. The enemy drags us away with a corrupt desire. He said to Eve, just focus, focus only on yourself. He says, you will not die and you will be like God. So enemy corrupts desires and then he entices us. He entices us. The devil has nothing to offer. He is a liar. The devil will mostly offer you something you already have or something God has promised you. He said to the woman, you will be like God. But the woman was made in the image of God. She was already like God. He said to Jesus Christ, I will give you the authority. But God already said to Jesus Christ, you're coming to redeem the world. And once you have redeemed the world, you will reign over the world. That was why Jesus Christ, when he died and rose from the dead, he said, all authorities have been given to me. But the devil entices us with something God has given us. He corrupts our desires and then entices us. And when desire combines with that enticement, it becomes sin. So when desire becomes corrupt and we're not focused on God, there's no faith. We're not relying on God, there's no faith. We are not desiring God. Desire becomes corrupt and it gives birth to sin. And the Bible says when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. When sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. This is when the devil captures a Christian soldier you know, in a vicious cycle of bad habits addictions because he's corrupted the desire, it's made them to sin, and then it's caused them, you know, it's, it's made this sin grown into something that has become death-like living. A Christian that's supposed to live in freedom is now living in fear. A Christian that's supposed to live in joy is now living in regret because they are under the attack of the enemy. So how can we quench this flaming arrow of the enemy? How can we quench this flaming arrow of the enemy? The Bible says the problem in the first place was because we're not desiring God. James says we have, we, we've become friends with the world. We've allowed the world to shape our desires. He says, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You know, so we've allowed the world to shape our desires. 
you know, around relationship, around money, around everything, really. And the only way to quench this flaming arrow of the enemy is by renewing our minds, by renewing our minds. The Bible says, in view of what God has done for you, it's giving you the breastplate of righteousness, it's giving you the belt of truth, it's giving you the shoes of the readiness. It said, in view of what God has done for you, renew your mind. Don't be conformed to the world. That is our flaming arrow, our, our shield against the devil's flaming arrow. The renewal of mind. And a mind that is set on Christ. So we need to desire God. That is our shield against temptation. And I want to say this morning that if there are people who are struggling, you know, you're struggling and almost at the point of giving up. You know, God has not given up on you. God hasn't given up on us because the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. David cried out to God. He said, create in me a pure heart. You know, after he was fell by the flaming arrow of the enemy, you know, he said, create in me a pure heart. And you can cry to God this morning to create, to renew, to renew a steadfast spirit within you. And that will shield you from the enemy's attack. So in conclusion, like I said earlier, we are in a battle but we have victory already. You know, we're not fighting this battle because we want to win a victory. That is why he says, stand firm, stand firm, stand therefore. We are standing in the victory that God has brought us. So we need to put on, we need to stand by faith and put on this old armor of God and resist the enemy. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. And I want to say to anyone who hasn't received a Christian faith, if you don't yet have a Christian faith, it does not exempt you from the battle. You're not exempted from the battle, but the invitation is there. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. And if you open your heart today, the Lord will give you that armor as well to stand against the enemy. So I pray that as we go into this week, God will shield us. He will shield us against the, evil, the enemy's attack. And as we trust him, as we trust him, he will give us the victory we need to stand firm in him. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Amen.